0: Hey, it's another episode of the Long Twos podcast. I'm Mike Vorkanoff, your friendly Knicks beat reporter. I'm uh, joined by a very special guest, uh, a person whose work I greatly respect, uh, although some decision making that I also now question, knowing that you're a rabid Knicks fan. Uh, Will Leach of, and uh, many, many places, columnist at MLB, contributing editor and writer for New York Mag. You're a writer, columnist for Medium uh i know how lucky comes out may 11th for you as well so if you're looking for a new books to a new book to read mm-hmm. i think it's available on amazon for pre-order if i'm right if i'm right yes. you can tell me if i'm wrong okay you,
1: you keep going if it, if you, let's
0: use the word pre-order as often pre-order. as possible in this podcast i may it'll just be like Playhouse. pre-order yeah
1: yeah like, like <laughs> Playhouse is the secret word and cherry has to start <laughs> screaming or something well
0: i mean nick's fan how did the, how's that experience going for you? This is surprisingly good for you. That Things are good. We're doing this on a Tuesday afternoon. They're seven and eight. They just wallop the Celtics by 30 points. Tom Thibodeau got the only birthday present he actually wants. Um, then they beat the Magic. Hell of a season we're having here.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, and I feel like I should give a little bit of my background because I think I'm mostly well known as a Cardinal, St. Louis Cardinals fan, yeah. baseball fan. Uh, I'm from the Midwest, um, but I and I live in Athens, Georgia now. So I have, uh, um, I, I did, but I lived in New York for 13 years. I, co- I actually covered the team um, in in for New York Magazine during the Lynn era. I was actually there for all the Lynn games, which I love, which I will talk about as much
0: as you will. Let we me. will get into that now that yeah. I know that.
1: But um, but yeah, so I became a Knicks fan when I first moved to New York in 2000 because I didn't grow up with an NBA team. You know, I, my teams were all St. Louis teams, and I wasn't gonna like root for the Hawks because Bob <laughs> Pettit was there or something. So um, so I uh, I never really had a team. I was more of a college basketball person just because the University of Illinois, is where I went to school, That's a big basketball school. But when I got to uh, when I when I got to New York, I thought, okay, I need to I need to have like a New York team. I want I want a New York team. Um, it was you know, I moved there in January 2000, and the Knicks, of course. had been very very good for quite a period of time heading into that and my cardinals had actually only made the playoffs once uh in the last 13 years so i thought you know what if the I, my my baseball team isn't very good, so I need to like pick a basketball team that has a consistent run of success, so I'll be able to have something to be happy about uh, moving forward. So uh, and that has not worked out the way uh, I would have liked. But um, yeah, for Are me, you, you the know, Jinx? Can we? Uh, can yes, we oh my god! That? I never occurred to me. You get a notary uh, to sign <laughs> off. But uh, but yeah, so uh, for me, you know, the Knicks. Uh, one of the things I I love about the Knicks, I, I mean, geez, I've been a fan for twenty plus years now, um, is. You know, the Knicks are – I covered New York sports a lot for New York Magazine uh, uh, when, I, when I was living there and still now. And I find – and we'll see because I haven't really seen them be that good. But I, there's something more obnoxious about other fans of other New York sports teams than the mm-hmm. Knicks. And that will probably change when the Knicks get good uh, by, on a consistent basis. But there's th- that mix between that New York obsessiveness with the team and also rooting for a team of losers – like that is irresistible to me. <laughs> like I have to tell you, like like there's like I know the Mets have that a little bit, but they have runs here or there, and they come up short. Like th- this is like rooting for the Cleveland Browns or rooting for you know the uh, uh, the, the, the Detroit line the Jets. The yeah, but the, yeah, yeah, the Jets are a good one too, I suppose. But for me, like I, there's more passion about. Like the Knicks, you know, to be able to go and cover the Knicks when they're terrible and back when there's fans in the stands and still to see that place not only filled to the brim, but like people losing their minds in the fourth quarters of games that they're down 15, but maybe they can make a run. Like, you know, it, it is a fan base that. I'm not necessarily sure that Yankees fans deserve a world series championship. I'm not sure that jets fans deserve a super bowl. I believe that Knicks fans truly deserve a competitive, great team. And that's, that to me is really fun to see uh, it, 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 There's an inherent drama in being a fan of a team that should succeed and ha- should have every single advantage to be able to do so. Uh, but consistently never does.
0: I think there's some unfair stereotyping and some misaligned stereotyping of Knicks fans. But like you said, and when I just got to witness it for the first time covering the Knicks, my first year there um, just how rabid they are. Like anytime there's a close game in the fourth quarter at the garden and the chance of defense and just how intrigued and invested they are by that, like by, I think by like a 30 win team, a 17 win team. And it's like, damn man, you guys have gone through a lot and you're still here. Um, I would still like as to-
1: avid as ever. I, like to yeah. me, that, that's the remarkable part about it. And I know the the teams that I, I covered when I was there. It was right at the right when Walsh was starting to like clear out the Isaiah mess and starting to right. clear that out a little bit and uh, and making some good moves uh, you know right before you know right before the Carmelo trade which you know is, is its own uh, moment in history um, but you know the thing that was exciting about that was to me that's an opportunity and I feel like it speaks to you know New York fans uh, have maybe even fans of the teams longer than, than I have but certainly having covering New York sports teams the myth of well New York fans won't stand for a rebuilding project and they will not stand for not trying to win a title at all times i just have not found that to be the case at all and i think like the knicks are the ultimate example of that sort of idea the 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 how invested people were in like anthony randolph like people just thought anthony randolph was good like he was going to be this incredible part of that trade he was going to like become this 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 unicorn sort of guy uh before chris has and like to me that is uh that excitement and thrill for a player that was not very good and probably was never going to be very good, but the, the hope for that. And I always feel like we can talk about this. That was what was culminated in in the Lynn thing. You know, I think that Lynn, obviously there were a lot of factors uh, going into Lynn, but to me, the thing that was most exciting, I think, but people reacted most to about, about Lynn was the Knicks. So the Knicks fans have the mindset of a underdog but they're new york fans and so like so therefore when there's someone like when when they actually get like a great player it's usually someone like carmelo who who is like oh well you're here hey we have a great player now you better win now that's the way it works and so rarely are players allowed to just come out of nowhere and to me that was the glory of the thing. i interviewed spike lee for new york magazine a few years ago and i asked him about the lynn thing and he said i've never it's the garden has never been louder including in the, in the Ewing days, including in, in like the hate days, including when I'm yelling at Reggie Miller down there. Uh, it's never been louder. I've literally never seen it louder uh, than it was with Jeremy Lynn. I think, uh, again, Lynn is his own kind of unique character, but I also think that it was because there was a no name that came out of nowhere. Like New York, Sports got a Rudy, (laughs) like they they got that, you know, and except he turned out to be amazing. That never, never happens. And to me, that that speaks to how great the fan base is and how uh, um, how they really do have that 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 cultist but also fanatic nerdness quality to the fandom to where they the the myth that like they just want stars they just want that's not, that's not true like it's not 1993 anymore and all that matters is the back page of the post you know they people just want to see a winner and see exciting basketball and i think lynn always kind of represented that
0: yeah i mean I, I like just looking at the people the emails they get the comments that we get on our stories like the tweets i think people are fine with the rebuild i have people tweeting at me now like just play Emmanuel quickly, and we don't care if the Knicks lose. We just want to see him and top in and before that, Knox when he was getting minutes, develop and like, just just learn how to play basketball in the NBA, get better. And so there's some long-term investment there. And if it happens to come be, and, and the Knicks are losing because of it, that's fine. Like they're happy with the payoff years ahead. And I, I mean, you man, you mentioned Anthony Rudolph uh, Randolph. There's probably like a story to be done about the different avatars that Knicks have placed their hopes into over <laughs> yeah. the last like 15 years to explain how this has gone from Randolph to Jeremy Lin to Porzingis to like Knox to Barrett to, to quickly now. The closest thing I can compare it to is I cover the Mets for a few years and I think those fans are kind of the same way in which it's a New York team. It doesn't always feel like it's a New York team uh, and there's a lot of pain involved. But like when the payoff comes and end that World Series run, there's just like this eruption of just like pure unadulterated joy Um, that happened and just like a you know finally like all this pain was worth it and i can't imagine that it won't be any different if and when the knicks ever become good
1: yeah as someone that doesn't has no rooting interest in either the mets or the yankees it is definitely more fun when the mets fit win than it is when the yankees win just as a and as a collective experience i think it's really funny that you say that about about quickly and top and we can talk about that but it is funny that like we talk about how the myth of the Knicks fan is we have to have the stars and we have to win now. If anything, they're actually, I feel like this current generation of Knicks fans is actually almost the opposite of that. Like people are almost annoyed at Thibodeau for playing veterans that make them
0: more likely to and, win and games now. before that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, you know what? You
0: know what it is? It's almost a little like Knicks fans are, and I'm, I'm talking about them in the third person as they're listening. Sorry, guys. Um, I am also one of them, by the way. So. <laughs> uh, will, will will be your, your, yeah, uh, I'm your avatar. Avatar. yes. I'm yeah. your yokel central <laughs> one of my farm country avatar. He's your proxy on this podcast. Right. Um, no, the thing is, like, it's it's almost a little, like, Bane-like. they Because they grew up in the darkness in <laughs> these losing seasons, they're used to it. They know what it's like. So they're not clamoring for, like, the good old days of the 90s, a lot of them. And so they're fine with seeing some, some bad years if they know that it's towards... Something as opposed to I think like this idea that rebuilds can't happen in New York are media driven and maybe some like executive driven as an excuse for why they keep short-circuiting long-term plans to acquire like Robin Lopez and Derek uh, yes. so, Derek Rose and like stuff like that. Uh I, I agree. Like if the Knicks just said, Hey, Barnani, how about Barnani? That's that's the best. Barnani, yeah, like any first round, any person that they've traded a first round pick for in the last 20 years, basically Antonio McDice, um, all those (laughs) things. Like if the Knicks just said came out, if Leon Rose was like, listen, next two years are just going to suck. But we promised we'll play top in and quickly and uh, Barrett and all these guys like 30 and Frank Nilakina, the, you know, the great hope of, of of the, uh, of the nerdy Knicks fan, like 30 minutes a night. I think they would just sign on for it. And I totally get why.
1: But to me, I, I feel, and I, I, I get that too. But I also feel like you're, like you know, you can, we can have a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Like for me, what is exciting? No, one about- or the other. That's yeah, exactly. we only live in extremes we're not on twitter mike okay we can actually like talk like humans and, life isn't twitter That's <laughs> no it's not odd. it's odd. not uh okay I will, I will say this that like you know this is a, a great example of that that really i would argue that the best case scenario for the next fans is precisely what's happening right now which is basically getting a little bit of both mm-hmm. you're getting the excitements quickly you see top and slowly obviously with the injuries he's kind of slowed up a little bit but you're seeing now you're seeing knocks start to perk up a little bit what you're seeing is okay sure they're not just saying quickly play playing 42 minutes so let's just see what he's got but what you are what you are doing is installing just a base level of competence to the team like that is that I feel like that has always been a little underappreciated like I understand that like the main reason that free agents have not come to New York is because of Dolan but like beyond and the losing yeah, yeah, but that's what I mean. But the, the not just the losing, but like the perpetual losing, and like it's one thing to say, "Hey, we're hollowing stuff out to build for the future." It's another thing to say, "Wow, they won 18 games this year." And right. uh, and, and so for me, you know, the, to be able to do both, this is the this is the perfect scenario, right? Like I wish there were more people actually available to be signed in the next couple of years, but like this is what you want, right? You want a team that is showing a base level of competence, where you're like, "Okay, we're seeing a little." bit from quickly we're seeing a little bit from Knox. uh, we're, uh Bar- Bar- barrett's uh figuring it figuring some things out and still kind of struggling but you still has to have some some stuff there that's kind of what you want while still having all this cap space still having a place that like you are making you have the money to get people and you but what you what they've lacked consistently is a place where people would actually be like okay I understand what they're doing. I see what they're trying to do. That to me is what's exciting about what's happening now is it's not just, okay, you just have to suck it up. They're going to be horrible for the next six months. And then you watch them be horrible for six months. They, I think they're probably not a one game under 500 team, but they're not unpleasant to watch. Okay. Yeah. The MLK game was unpleasant to watch, but they won. That was So, <laughs> and, and, you know, there's, it feels like they have a direction. It feels like they have an idea of what they're doing. They're making smart personnel moves. I still don't understand. Understand that Rivers contract. I don't understand how they were able to pull that off. I don't know why someone right. uh, I, I just feel like that was just a general people still are stuck with Rivers the way he was his first two years
0: in the league. That's a good contract. That's like a smart No, deal it, for it, them. The last two years are not guaranteed. I they know can, it's like a perfect contract. Yeah, yeah, it could be one year, three million, and they're all I don't know why he agreed to, to it to be Italian. honest. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> a better question for his agent. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so, like for me, like that is these are the moves I want them to make. Would I love it if like Giannis said, Okay, never mind, I'm not signing that. Deal. Let's go uh, uh, and 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 not done that. But like that that didn't happen. So what you want is a team that is not um, uh, two and thirteen right now. Uh, and we're just saying, okay, just give it to quickly for 42 minutes and just see what happens. That doesn't work. <laughs> like it right. doesn't work. It, demor- it it hurts them to me. Like, come on. I mean, this is what we said all year about Knox last year. Like you, if you tell me that Knox, oh, well, if Knox would have played 35 minutes a game, he would have totally improved. You watched those games last year. Do you think Knox would have just gotten magically better <laughs> by paying 35 minutes a game? Like, this is what you need for Knox. This is what you need for Barrett. You need a coach who before he wears them out and they all decide they hate him is putting <laughs> base normal things and uh, and uh set up for them that to me is what you want and so the seven and eight is just a happy bonus and particularly when the lottery is not even the same anymore like who knows like you if they're two and 13 they could have just a they, they would get up in the exact same spot they were at at seven and eight so for me this is all kind of a happy little thing happens to
0: be entirely yeah no and i I totally agree and i mean i think the lottery odds and how the the lottery has played out the last two years the first two of these new odds have shown you don't need to be just like ugly despicably bad anymore to get a high pick and honestly like i've gone from preseason then saying okay the knicks just might be the worst team in the league we'll see um to now saying like i'm not going to be surprised if they get into that play-in tournament because this season, I think is just going to be so weird. We don't know who's going to end up missing games, whether because of COVID protocols. Um, we've seen already so many players, you know, lose games for that injuries because players had to rush up their training, and just like everything is just so odd. And I don't know how to explain it. That, but like every game could just be a crapshoot. And if the Knicks are playing hard and playing tough defense and all these things, like that could just be some stuff they win on a night-to-night basis, and you just fumble into stumble into like, you know, the 10th best record in the East. And you have a, you have a playing game happening for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you know, it reminds me of my, my, uh, of like when my son has played like youth league basketball, he's in the third grade. And when they, and cause in Georgia, by the way, they're playing youth league
0: basketball. There are no, are they
1: really? Down. Oh yeah. Like indoors. No, there are no, there are no rules down here. Like the, the, the only it, it's, it's, it's prison rules here. It's, I, it's I saw,
0: I, I saw a Twitter video of like high school games and they were wearing masks or maybe it was AU games. They were wearing masks, but they were wearing their masks below their noses oh, and on yeah. their chins, and I'm <laughs> yeah. like very confused. Like, what is the point of this?
1: The point is, is that they'll let us play if we have those on our face. Okay. <laughs> we just don't actually, actually wear them correctly. Uh, there, there's the, the, there will be all sorts of dissertations written about the geographic differences from how people are handling uh, uh, this pandemic one way or the other. But I will say the thing that's interesting about uh, it feels a little bit like the way youth league basketball is coached, which is to say, there's a lot of teams that don't have a lot of talent. So the one thing that will always play is defense. If you have a good defense you can win a game like eight to three in, yeah. some, in some of these things and to be that
0: 91 is, to 84 against yeah, the magic
1: exactly like that's the thing is like clearly like i don't think that the knicks just have some bad offensive system they just don't have a they don't have a ton of starred offensive players or at least not yet they're not they're, they're not where they're going to be i still feel like there's a lot of potential for barrett quickly i'm sure we'll talk for 45 to 75 minutes about uh at some point anyway but uh i think there's obvious talent there but it's not going to all entirely work out now. So this is what you do. This is exactly the strategy you would want for a year like this. And so, you know, the, the idea that, that they, they're better off just playing uh, all the rookies and seeing what happens to me, what Randall's doing right now is Randall right now, the way he's playing and more important, the way he's invested is just proof of concept when it comes to Thibodeau of what they're trying to do here. Like the idea that like Randall didn't look this motivated when he was with the Lakers, like he's never played like this. And that, that to me speaks to, people buying the way that rivers talks about playing for the Knicks and stick with us. And we're trying to figure something out. The the thing that's missing, the thing that's different about this team is not that they're winning more because they're just barely kind of winning more. It's really more that like people like, you know, seem excited to be playing for the Knicks and seem like invested uh, and have a certain direction that you all want to go. That is again, if, if I don't know if that's in three years, that's enough, but right now it is definitely more than enough.
0: They should hang Austin rivers, Jersey. Just for how into being a Nick he it's is. It's amazing, like, right? I don't remember seeing anyone like who's all in on the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau, like Austin Rivers.
1: And it's great because, you know, uh, I guess it makes sense that Rivers has always kind of like acted like he's a superstar without being a superstar. He's yeah. doing the thing that we've all wanted superstars to do forever, which is say, all I want to do is play for the Knicks. Biggest city yeah. in the world, best place in the world, guard the garden. And then we've always wanted people to do that. I guess it just took Austin Rivers to be the person <laughs> that actually did that, but it's good. Right. Also for record, I don't think people actually hate Austin Rivers anymore. I think they did his first couple of years in the league, partly because of his situation, his dad partly because he wasn't that good, but like, they seem like, to me, I, I would have not, when they signed that deal, I was like, okay, it's not very much money. I don't really care. But man, I really don't like Austin Rivers. I don't want to root for that guy. And I was totally wrong. I was totally wrong. He's so much fun to cheer for. And he, and that is Nick fan catnip, the, yeah. the, the stuff that he's saying like that. And and I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll fall prey to it. No, no question.
0: I like. I wrote it. He's got kind of an irrational confidence, and he's out here. He's saying the right things. He's taking, hitting dagger f- uh, threes in the fourth quarter. He's telling everyone to wear a mask. Like he is the perfect guy for this moment, um, in New York. I do. I, I mean, but the guy everyone is talking about is Emmanuel quickly, and I, I want to ask you about him. Um, not only in terms of like what watching him play has been like, but as you said, you live in Georgia. You've been going to some SEC basketball games. Um, my my very uh. Lack of knowledge scouting report on him on draft night. It was like, okay, this guy can shoot. He can play some D. He's probably not a point guard. Um, he's coming out of Kentucky. So, like, I don't know. Who knows? The Knicks are, you know, all their ties to yeah. them. Um, I don't profess to watching a lot of college basketball. And like, here he comes, this superno- and supernova's overdoing it. But like, here's a guy they took 25th and he looks like he can be a legitimate NBA guard, maybe start one day. Although I know everyone wants him to start now over Alfred Payton. Like, did you see this coming and watching him play in college for two years?
1: Yeah, I have a, I have season tickets to the University of Georgia basketball team here, um, and to let you know how people care, um, uh, I'm from I went to the University of Illinois where people care about basketball not about football. Here, obviously, they only care about football and they care about football and not basketball. I came in here, I moved here in 2013, and I thought I I, to get, I wanted to get season tickets. I'm within walking distance of the stadium, of so Segments Coliseum where they play. So uh, I put it you have to put it, to get season tickets for college basketball. You have to give like a quote unquote donation, you know, hmm. for the student athletes. And you give like a donation. I give slightly above the minimum thinking, okay, we'll see what seats I get. And I got there and I didn't have the Jack Nicholson seats, but I have like the Diane Cannon seats. Like I'm like right on the floor. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess this is awesome. So I've had, so I go to every Georgia basketball game this year. They, they obviously have fewer, fewer seats, but I still have gone to a couple this year. And I saw, I've seen quickly and I've seen more, more to the point. I've seen the way that Kentucky is. Yeah. And, to uh, you know, he this was the SEC player of the year last year. <laughs> like, I, I think there's been this idea that he was just – he was somehow lost in Kentucky. He wasn't. Like, he was – but the thing was, is the way – and you're seeing this, frankly, a little bit with this year's Kentucky team that's so bad. Calipari's offensive system is still – you know, this is always the thing with Kentucky, right? Like, they start the season struggling, but they end up – because they have so many five-stars and future pros, they all kind of figure it out. But what happens in that happen, – what happens with that is guys like Quickly, who was, you know, a highly recruited guy but not – Anthony Davis or uh, DeMarcus Cousins, he, uh, excuse me, uh, Calipari's uh, uh, system is not really highly point guard driven. So he was mm-hmm. not, and, and there was a, there was another point guard there that had been there for four years last year that was above quickly as the selected point guard. So he really just, not only there was this idea that like, well, because he could shoot and because he, he wasn't the point guard in college, the presumption was he's not a point guard. To right. me, the most surprising thing, we all knew he could score. That There was just no question that he could score and, and that he could shoot. But the idea that he wasn't a point guard was actually not necessarily supported by evidence. It's just that he would never really played point guard which i think but in college anyway which i think yeah, spoke he more, in
0: high school yeah
1: which, which i think spoke more to calipari than necessarily to uh to quickly himself and to me the remarkable thing watching him i watched him uh, have a game against georgia last year where he scored like 15 points in like the last in the, in the second half of the second half to like overcome a four point and end up having a cruising kentucky i think kentucky has beat georgia like six like 18 straight times they just like stomped them every single time and they may always do it in different sort of ways and last year it was the, it was quickly they did it and he wa- he ran point the whole second part of that game. Now he wasn't really running point the way he's running point now. He was basically running point in uh, I'm going to dribble up the court and then shoot, <laughs> as yeah. opposed to it's kind of what he's doing now. What's really been remarkable has been that I think what people are excited about the floater has been like a nice little touch. But I think what people are really excited about is just that it's that Austin Rivers esque. Oh, I'm a I'm a point guard. I'm a point guard because I claim that I'm a point guard. Like there is that that kind of comfort and assurance that he has often incorrect but like clear like you see him and everybody reacts accordingly like we're like oh that's our point guard he might not actually be the point guard i suspect right. no matter how good he does this year it will not stop them from drafting kate cunningham or jalen songs <laughs> nor should they. <if> know <laughs> no, but but clearly there is something you can work with there and i think i think because of the kentucky thing they thought oh it's a charity pick he wasn't he wasn't you know he, because he wasn't a point guard people didn't th- he wasn't in very many first round picks but i think if knowing now that like okay even if you don't think he's going to be this great point guard moving forward you see that he can play some point guard if you were aware of this he would have been a first round pick he like he was a first round pick but he'd have been drafted he would have yeah, been yeah. mocked in first rounds if, if it would have been if people would have known this
0: I yeah, I think that the big question mark on him was like, can he run, pick and roll? Can he right. create off the ball? Like, and, and as you said, it seems like he did that more Kentucky than perhaps the layperson like right. me knew. Um, but it wasn't like consistent enough where if you knew that he could create his own shot and create for Obi Toppin like he has been like, he would have gone maybe late lottery instead yeah. of 25th overall. Um, and I guess that's, you know, that's like the thing I've been thinking about is like, you know, on draft night me included, everyone's pointing out, Hey, look, uh, that the team run by the former CA agent with everyone, the Kentucky assistant coach and worldwide West in the front office, just drafted a CA guy and a Kentucky guy in the first round. Like, can this be any more professional nepotism uh, in my channel or Bing voice? <laughs> um, but like, maybe they knew something everyone around the Kentucky program just seems to love, like all caps love Emmanuel quickly as a person, as a worker, like as a player. And that's where it becomes inside information that's valuable. We're, we're seeing it now in, in, in the NBA. I mean, listen, it's people, it's kind of been lost a little bit that Kentucky has actually
1: not been that great in basketball for the last three or four years. Like they really have not had these like
0: terrific teams. They're not going to make the tournament this year. Uh, I can have an entire conversation about what John Calipari is doing in Kentucky. Cause some of it just kind of confuses me, but yeah, to your point, <laughs> yeah. like they haven't been like a monster. No, they haven't. they basically had that one that that great Anthony Davis team that won that yeah. won the championship,
1: and then they've had a lot of talented players who either figure it out in time for the for uh, in the final four and make a run for the final four, or they don't. And this year, I don't think there's even going to be time for them to just with a weird season to even come back from this. But the, they don't always seem like because they have so many, they're so recruiting base, and so many people leave so quickly. They're always it's very easy for guys like quickly to get lost. Because yeah. there's, because there's, people are paying so much more attention to other guys, it's not again. Quickly was not lost. He was like all <laughs> SEC last year,
0: but, but but it took him a year. He didn't play that much. Yeah. He didn't exactly. do that well his first year.
1: Exactly, and and even with that, he was still not like he he was not even when you, like w- when they would do the ads for on CBS for Kentucky against Florida. Quickly was not until the end of the year the guy they made the cutout. Of. Yeah. Like he wasn't, you know, there's always somebody higher up there. And I think, I think that speaks well. And you, know, you see this a lot. You've seen this a lot of Kentucky guys. They get to the pros and they feel more comfortable. They feel like they have more space which is kind of weird because you know they're they're surrounded by these these top shelf guys but because kentucky is not only like kentucky is not like they don't bring in kate cunningham they bring in like three or four people that are like kate cunningham and yeah. and inevitably some of those guys fall off. i think knox was that a little bit there to be entirely honest at, at some point so he kind of came on later but i think that that's sort of the issue with kentucky and i think quickly uh was very It may have been an ideal circumstance for him uh, to come to the Knicks. Again, I don't think it's going to keep uh, the the Knicks from drafting Suggs or Cunningham if they have the opportunity. But quickly looks to me, it reminds me a little bit of, of, uh, obviously a different position, but when Mitch first once you realize very quickly, Oh, this guy is a keeper. Like maybe yeah. he's going to become this superstar and maybe he's not, but there's no question that like, I mean, that's, that's what you want for the Knicks, right. To find out, okay, who is like, it's a question about Barrett. Is he the two guy on a playoff team? Is he the three guy on the championship team? Uh, and, you know, you look at someone like Mitch, can he be, Trevor, uh, uh, can he be, uh, uh, you know, Andre Drummond someday, or is he more, you know, is he more tree Rollins, which is fine by the way. I got no beef for tree Rollins, but, um, the, 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 that what you're looking for is to fi- fill in those slots moving forward. Who's a keeper and who isn't? Neilakina was of someone that I think we held on for a long time because you're like, okay, maybe he can just be the <laughs> defensive guy on like a playoff team or some point. And but I think what you're have you given that, up
0: hope on, on Neil I, Akina? I think, That
1: sounds I, like kind of yeah. Wistful I think regret. so. I think so. I think so. It's a shame. It's a shame. And uh, I, you know. I hung in with him for a long time. Like a lot of people did, because again, you know, just the weirdness of how he was drafted and what happened so shortly. It just, it wasn't really his fault to be kind of put in that position. And I, and we all watched the Euro games and thought, Oh my God, he's amazing. He's he's just going to untap this. And I, I think that, I think the clock's running out on that a little
0: little bit. I'm kind of still, I still think there's a future there. Like if you remember his last game, he shot four or four from three. And my thing with Frank has always been, all right, He's not going to be your starting point guard. That much is clear. He just can't generate that much offense, but he can really defend. And if he just starts hitting catch and shoot threes and a little bit off the dribble, like that's a pretty good player there. I agree. I still, th- it just I still never- think it's there, but I just yeah. I don't think it's going to happen in New York. I just don't yeah, think it's. I, I mean, whatever I, his peak. The is, clock's running out. I mean,
1: I mean, I mean, again, like it's to me, it's even just a practical thing, right? Like they, the decision they have to make on him is coming soon. Right. Like, you know, this is the free agency, like, this yeah. offseason, I mean, whenever that so is. So the, the idea that he, the idea that he's shown anything for them to be like, okay, he's a rotation part. Uh, but even if he could potentially be, because the person you're talking about is what we've always dreamed on Neil Akina, right. Is that he would yeah. be that guy. And I'm, uh, I i, I do not know, man. I don't think it's going to happen. But, but I mean, that's the ne- thing is even, even with this team now, even if, if it, because that's the thing is it kills you that Neil Akina, you know, I feel like this is a little bit of a Jordan Hill uh, in a certain way where you hang on to a guy for a little bit too long because you're like, oh, but he was right after Steph and maybe we'll be able, he'll be worthwhile uh, <laughs> in some sort of way. I feel, like, I feel like Neil Keane's got a little bit of that, but at a certain level, there are, I, I don't know if the hopes have to be as based in Neil Keane anymore because you've got, I mean, who, who are players on this Knicks team now that are rotation players for the next Knicks playoff
0: team? I think that like, there's a lot,
1: <laughs> like, I think that Are there?
0: Like, oh, I, w- w- let's go through it. I, Cause I don't on. know if I, okay. So Julius Randle, you now have an interesting decision, his yeah. non-guaranteed deal, 4 million, which everyone thought was not going to get picked up. Right. If he's going to keep playing like this, you kind of have to pick it up. And then you also have a decision to make, whether you want to keep him a little bit longer term right. after that um, him, but I could see being a good part of a new team. I, I, you know it, I think ideally in the Knicks uh plan of things, they would get somebody who is a ball ball handler, playmaker at the guard position. And I don't I'm curious what Julius Randle would be with kind of a smaller, uh more diminished offensive profile where he's a secondary type player, but I guess you know that'll be like a future problem. Um I'm RJ not Barry, sure about, I'm not I'm not sure about
1: Randall as as a big part of the next playoff team. Not because he's not great, he's clearly their best player, and I think he has a chance at all star team. But yeah, I feel like uh, I, I, to me, Randall feels like a perfect fit for this team right now. And frankly, perfect fit for him, right? Like he's increasing his value. He's kind of having the season that like people have gotten frustrated that he didn't have uh, before. And you see him kind of invested in everything, but is he is Rand? Like if you bring in like, cause I, I also feel like that another part of the next playoff team is, you know, like a really good player that they bring in. Like, I don't necessarily think that like the, like the point is that like Barrett to me, Barrett is the third guy on a playoff team. You need to figure out who the one and two guys are. And like, and, and for me, I'm yeah. not sure in that situation, if moving forward, Randall is that one. And maybe Barrett surprises me. and becomes a two guy. Uh, I don't think he's ever be a one guy, but maybe he's a two guy in that to me, Randall, just because of the time frame of it, and like the way everyone's kind of careers are lining up for me. Randall is good now because he's like, again, he's proof of concept of what Thibodeau doing, but when they, and again, again, as you mentioned earlier, the playoff team could be this year. <laughs> like they could, they could play in a play in game and sneak in this year. But I think we're talking about an actual contending team. And to me, the pieces on contending teams, the young things that you're, this is what you're trying to compile, right. With the, with the draft picks coming up to me, it's Barrett. I mean, Toppin is going to get a lot of rope. I think you're going to have to give him a lot of time to to, to do what he wants to do, Uh, and I think you've got Quickly, and I think you've got Mitch, and Listen. Now that we not now that we're not thinking of Knox as oh wow, here comes the superstar, and you just realize that there's utility and there's like a light coming on a little bit. Now Knox doesn't have to be particularly in an age if, of quickly and potentially topping. Knox doesn't have to be a okay. Here's the hope. We we yeah. wasted we crapped out this whole year just to get this guy. So now he has to be this great guy. If you just realize for what he is, and you've got guys like Barrett moving forward, and you've got a more safe system, you don't have to like like. Knox had a little bit of the Neil Aquino problem, right? We're like, wow, we just had this terrible season just to get this guy. He better be a savior. And it, it blinds you to some actual valuable things that he might have. To me, that Knox is in a much better position now because you can just appreciate for what he is and, and see him actually get better and the light come on a little bit as opposed to seeing him as some franchise savior. I think if you get out of the franchise savior part, you just actually have a bunch of pieces that you're slowly kind of getting to need together. And then maybe if anyone ever actually decides to become a free agent again from the superstar star class then maybe you can grab
0: one I think it I think it's nice for the Knicks that they have Julius Randle on their contract this summer for the next season cuz I think like maybe their best long-term play might actually be pick up his or not pick up but just like keep him for next year and then trade him and let some other team extend them and get some more picks or some young players down the line I actually Knox kind of thought is-
1: they might do that this year uh but uh, I like I, I but I, I think this is perfect I think that's a perfect scenario yes
0: Knox is interesting cuz I don't I don't know I I'm still quite not quite sure what he is like the three-point shooting seems to be there like if if he keeps this consistent, he's like a what a 42 percent three-point shooter he doesn't show he hasn't shown that like off the dribble create for himself type of game that everyone seemed to be selling for him when he got drafted right and that speaks to your point of like this guy was supposed to be this long fluid uh lanky type of Wing that the Knicks could build their offense around, and just hasn't been that. But if you got a guy who can shoot and space the floor for you, and it seems like even defend a little bit at like six nine, that that's that's pretty nice. But I don't know if they have someone who can be better than you know the third best player on a good team, like you said, RJ Barrett. Just so many questions there, and I hate I hate like having this discussion about him because he seems like a nice guy who works really hard, but like. Everything comes back to his shooting uh, for me. That really just sets the ceiling for him, and just some like this year, the shooting has been so bad. I think it's it it really just kind of um, it undercuts the rest of his game, which has been pretty good. I think shown a lot but of improvement. Well, that was your mistake of
1: watching games past the first one, so uh, you've got all these questions about Barrett shooting <laughs> or any all, game but... <laughs> that's not in Indiana, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, and to me, I just feel like Barrett. I mean, still pretty young, man. Like, like to me, like Barrett is. You're you I agree that the shooting is an issue, but like for crying out loud, like Myers Leonard shot like 45, 42 percent from three point range a couple of years ago. Like shooting, you can figure it out. Like, like to me, like shoot, like shooting is, you know, I mean, sure, can he, he's you? Not, I think so. I think so. You've seen guys, show, I mean, like Brooke Lopez didn't used to shoot three pointers,
0: yeah, <laughs> but you? I think, I think there's a difference, and like, I. I think there's a difference between bigs who never shot and they learn to shoot and wings yeah. who have always shot. And it just maybe never comes around for them.
1: I get it. Maybe, and maybe that's true, but it's also just year two. And like, this is the first no, time I'm not, that, I'm
0: not giving up on him. You're and right.
1: Not just year two, but like, this is also the first time I will be careful. I know disrespect to fizz here, but like, Wow. The first time he's had a real coach, right? <laughs> like wow. this is the first time that he's had like a real like I mean the Fizdale thing obviously like I know that like Fizdale has is respected and people all like him but man that th- decisions that were made last year make no sense. Like like the, the the like all you want I and I feel like part of it was I think Fizdale and you know you you cover this cover this closer than I did. But I think that there was I thought it was telling that after Fizdale left that quickly it was the Uh, He kind of went on the tour of, oh, no one's going to win in New York. No one's going to win in New York. I'm still, I'm so great. And they just wouldn't listen to me over there. And, uh, and if they had just let me do whatever thing that, I I mean, if there was a, if there were things that Fizdale had in plan that were going to all come together and somehow Dolan or whoever was coming and stopping him, I didn't see him. Like I didn't yeah. see these grand plans of Fizdale all coming together, and, and he just got thwarted at every turn. I don't think Fizdale, re- most of the stuff he was doing, really didn't make a lot of sense to me. What no. Timidno's doing makes sense, and yeah. and listen, Thibodeau, will when he inevitably gets fired because everybody hates him, which always happens. Um, I, I I'm sure that there'll be a a, 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 fr- a sense of frustration, and and he'll go on ESPN and be his weirdly compellingly uncharismatic self as he always was like he was so like non-tv friendly and yet hypnotic when he was on espn um so I, he's the I, same
0: with- way this year in press conferences yeah. where he doesn't say stuff but sometimes he just sucks you in and you're just listening and you want to know where this conversation he goes.
1: really is amazing like I, I i have like i just kind of and this is weird because again i was i think i understood some of the worries that people had about Tibbs as a coach it feels like you know guys crapped out a couple of places and chicago went great and obviously boston went great but Again, Minnesota clearly did not, and and you know, is he going to run all these veterans down and help these young players? Now that he's the coach, I get it. (laughs) Like I get it. (laughs) Like I get the Thibodeau thing. And for me, that and again, I'm sure they'll they'll all run out of gas in a couple years. But like something is obviously different and so i don't want to hear it from fisdale like i like to me like i don't want to hear that because clearly this team is not it's not like oh they've got Obi Toppin and emmanuel quickly now look how great they are all of a sudden like you know, i mean clearly this is not an entirely different cast of characters and he has whipped something got something out of them that that fizzdale w- wasn't able to so for me you know i think that uh, uh that's an advantage for barrett is you know do i think barrett's gonna turn into uh you know, Jimmy Butler. No, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think having, uh, being in, this is an obviously much better situation for him to improve than, uh, than, than what last year was.
0: I will say this. So I think the difference between Fisdale and Tom Thibodeau now, and this is to me like still the most kind of interesting, probably most telling quote of the whole year from anyone that I've heard around the Knicks is Julius Randall saying that, the difference for them now is that when they run the offense and like when he drives and stuff, he knows where everyone is going to be on the floor and that's why they can get better shots. And that's why like, he's making better decisions this year. And I never heard anyone say that in the last two years, like this kind of systematic approach to offense where, you know, I think there's some good and some bad to Tom Thibodeau's uh, just like rigid adherence to rules. Let's say (laughs) like, if it means that everyone knows what they're doing at all times, offensively, that's a pretty good outcome. And I think that explains a lot of the stuff you were talking about. Um, and yeah, from a, like it, it, every, it, it, I was going to say like the Knicks under David Fizzle talked a lot about player development. There was no actual yeah. results Thanks. to be seen yeah. from said player development talk, but this year we've seen it. Like Julius Randle is a player development win for them, right? Like oh, he's no 26. Question. So no one thinks about it. Cause they're like, ah, oh, the old guy, whatever. But Like that's a win that he's doing all these things. And uh, if they can do that with the young guys too, I think that's where the payoff really comes.
1: Exactly, and like that's why you hire Tibbs. That's, that's yeah. literally why you hire, and hire his whole Tibbs. staff. Yeah, and for me, I, that that's the thing, too. It Also, I have to say, it definitely makes me feel a little bit more guilty about all of those possessions that Randall had last year that just, like, you give him the ball and just, like, dribble, 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 run left. Right? Like, like, oh, well, because no one's where they're supposed to be or he doesn't <laughs> know where they're supposed to go. It makes me retroactively less angry about kind of the gravitational pull that Randall No, no, um, he could have not
0: this. spun into the lane into three defenders that many I, times, too. Give him some yeah. agency. I'm going
1: gonna, I'm gonna to talk myself into this and be like, oh, well, that's famous Zach Randolph possession uh, uh, that that made Isaiah (laughs) Thomas want to jump out a window. That, that wasn't his fault either. Like uh, I, I, obviously you're right. Players have their own notion, but like, again, that's the thing with Randall not just making better decisions, but I mean, you just see like, there's a light in his eyes this year, And Like there really, really is. I actually kind of loved that at the end of the magic game, right? Like that's an ugly game and everyone. And, and I think as uh, as a people pointed out, if you didn't know any better, you would think that like, everyone went out on Sunday
0: night because everyone, on I, teams, I was actually thinking that I was yeah. like, I think wait, man, usually too, yeah. everyone's <laughs> like coming off after a long night in New York. Where the hell they go this time.
1: Yeah, Cause they looked, they looked, everyone looked very, very groggy, but like at the end of that game, he's the guy, right? He was, he yeah. like, he, he, there was, he put, he decided we're gonna like we're gonna win. I'm gonna put the same line back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be the guy that wins this game for them. That is impressive. A that he's able to do that. B that he wanted to do that and like was inspired to do that because that's not something you always saw uh, last year. So to me that that, that it's just all it's hard to and again Barrett. Everybody is everybody is is uh, um, necessarily we're all wondering about Barrett, wondering where they get there. But there's not a player and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't I can't think of a player where you're like oh, man, man, Thibodeau is just not getting anything out of that guy. He's just falling completely backward uh, from the was before. Um, uh, I also love, too, that he was like, yep, nope, Dennis Smith, we are not doing that. (laughs) We're not doing that. Like, there's no wasted time. There's no let's see if this guy can figure it out. It's you you get in there and you work it out. And I I think it's even telling that a guy like Toppin, who finally gets in for, like, uh, after the first game, where he's in, like, for one possession, comes in, gets 12 minutes, scores 12 points, makes us a few rookie mistakes, but clearly comes in invigorated, and wanting to show off his stuff within the, the system that you're doing. That's exactly what you want out of that too.
0: Yeah. Every minute feels earned, right? Yeah. Like they're not just playing Dennis Smith jr. Cause he's the guy from the poor Zengish trade. <laughs> right. That was a top pick. Like he's just not playing cause he hasn't earned the time. And that happened with Frank Nilakina, too. I think to some dismay earlier on amongst the Knicks fans, um, it's going to be like, I've always been of the thought like, okay, you got to give the young guys time. Uh, to play to like actually develop because there's no G League especially this yeah. year at all or I guess maybe there is but, but like it's going to be super weird Um, so that's going to be interesting to see what they do later on the season but you're right like they have to prove it in practice and then Tom Thibodeau puts them into the games because he trusts them and if you mess up he'll pull you after 57 seconds just like he did with Obi yeah. Toppin Uh, that may wear on guys over time but like so far the results have been pretty good and And you do see this, this like widespread improvement. And I'm, I'm just curious to see where this all goes because like at some point, um, at some point, like if they, they follow the Nets model is almost, and I I know the Nets are like the word, like (laughs) the worst example you can use for the Knicks is what to do. But like, this is what they did. They built internally. They turned a bunch of nothing into good players, into rotation players, into like eventually a playoff team somehow. And that got them the free agents. And like, I don't see why that's not the model the Knicks should use too. And on top of it, maybe you get like the number two pick in the 2021 draft if things break right.
1: Yeah, I, I like that model. It's a great model, except that's the thing with the Nets, right? Like, Durant and Irving picked the Nets partly because of their culture. And then by the time that Durant gets there, everyone's gone, including the coach, well, and everything's over. But, but like, yes, that's the idea, though. Like, that was why they picked them, right? Like, that, that was the thing. There was a good vibe they had going on, and they had all that young talent. They had all that space. And now it's, like, completely gone. Like, after, after, the, after, the, after the, I, uh, the Harden trade, it's all gone. It's kind of amazing.
0: There isn't like, I I read whatever Sean Mark said about culture after they had their conference call, like after the James Harden trade, I didn't understand a single word of it. um It's just like, just buzzwords, the top buzzwords that mean nothing. And like, if you have nobody who's an all-star level player and you're building up, then the culture is your coach and your front office and they get to dictate it. But once you get the stars, that's the culture. So you hope you you get the ones that are like good for you and fit. And you know what? The Knicks should love to be in that position. They should love to be in a position where like they're saying... Ah shit! We spent three years building up this culture, but now here comes Giannis onto doing what he wants the, to do. Yeah, Take right. it. let yeah, him do that.
1: This is the Kawhi idea, right? Like I yeah. like what they're building up, and if Kawhi decides, hey, I'll come here. It's Kawhi's team. It's no longer yeah. like like oh, how's Kawhi gonna fit in here? How are you gonna like? <laughs> right. He's not trapped in here. With How you. are you you're, gonna fit? Yeah, with Kawhi. You're, you're trapped in here with him. So, uh, and I think that's fine. Like, but to me, like that is. Uh, I think that's what you're trying. Like, I think it's, again, kind of going back to the Randall idea, it's proof of concept. It's, it's, it's showing that like, yes, I'm sure if a superstar does come here, it will be entirely different, but they're not going into a situation where like, what is, the hell is even going on here? Like there's it was improvement across the board. And this goes back to the thing we all kind of started with because we always got to come full circle. And that is the idea of, while um, I, tr- I know there is frustration with playing Alfred Payton, who again is probably not an actual starting point guard for a team that has playoff hopes in any sort no. of concept, but that uh, but generally speaking, I don't. I feel that both Thibodeau's playing. You people got to earn their minutes, but I also don't feel like it's not like you're watching quickly or you're watching Toppen or you're watching uh, um, uh, even, even Barrett, and you're like oh, man, like they were just got going and then Tibbs pulled him. (laughs) Like, that's not what's going on. Like, they're getting run. Like, you know, I mean, they, they may make a mistake and he'll pull them and pull them out. But like the idea that like, oh, wow, well, quickly would become the superstar if he would just played 41 minutes a game is just not, we would just watch quickly make a ton of mistakes because he, and, and all of a sudden quickly would not be so beloved anymore. And so to me, like, this is, this is the, this is why I, again, in Tibbs, I trust, man, like to see the across, and listen, they're about to go to the West coast. This could be this could be one of those podcasts where in a week we're like, oh yeah, wow, remember when you were so excited about that seven eight team that just <laughs> lost like seven in a row? Uh, and I get it, but like that's okay. Like I, if if the Knicks lose seven in a row and completely fall apart on the uh, not even fall apart, but like lose a bunch of games in a row, I don't think any of this conversation is incorrect. I feel like there is a like it's still not that incredibly talented of a team, but you're finding the pieces that you want and there's improvement across the board. That's what you wanted out of this year, you, and you still have your draft picks and you still have your money and you're putting a plan in place. To me, that's, that's the point of the whole thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and look, um, I think there's a fall coming. Eventually. I wrote it like Friday that the defense is, it's got some undercurrents that are just not going to bode well for them. And then they give up, you know, below 85 points in two straight games for the first time in like three years. And I look like an idiot, but um, I about think to there's play a fall- Steph. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then they play staff and then they play Damian Lillard. Yeah. yeah. And like, Maybe some, some stuff happens that you don't want to, um, but I think all that stuff is right, and and like you know, it's not about the record for them this year, it's about like what kind of minutes they get from quickly and topping. And uh, I think there's a merit meritocracy. Wow, that was a lot harder than it should have been. <laughs> a meritocracy to the minutes this year that I think is good for them. Like, I looked it up yesterday, um, during the magic game, Peyton and, and quickly have averaged just about the same amount of fourth yeah. quarter minutes, yeah. um, like. Tom, Tom Thibodeau would just play whoever is playing better that day. Yeah. And that's good. Cause you know what? It, it also means like if quickly he's playing poorly and he's not, he doesn't have it like just, he doesn't continue to make errors and continue to put up bad habits of like things that he shouldn't be doing long-term. And I think that's ultimately a net positive for them. Um, is it good that RJ Barrett and Julius Randall are playing this many minutes? We'll see. We'll see how, where that goes for them. But like, that's, you know, that's some good, some bad with, with Tom Thibodeau. Um, I I have been surprised by how quickly (laughs) everyone has come to like Tom Thibodeau, who did not come with a reputation of being a likable person, but now everyone's just like, Tibbs, where have you been all my life?
1: <laughs> again, we'll see. We'll see in a couple of years. We'll see if, uh, uh, and <clears throat> the question too, is whether or not, you know, Thibodeau is making it more likely or less likely that the free agent comes, right? Like at a certain level. It just to... doesn't matter though. I don't think it matters. I don't think yeah. the coach matters. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I think that- uh, the Everyone real question... loved David Fisdale and that, you know, that helped you get Julius Randall. Yeah, well, and also Ed Fisdale, you know, doesn't- does crappy coach last year but um uh, anyway uh but yeah no i i agree and i think that i and you know at a certain level <clears throat> i wrote a piece about this a few years ago about tanking and about not so much tanking because i get the the mindset of tanking i understand why people do it but th- that notion of cheering for your team to lose as a fan there's something like i can say it and I know that Alan Steppenwall famously is always putting up the tank uh, gifts uh, every <laughs> single time uh, uh, they're, they're, they go on a losing streak. And I get it. I understand it. I am totally get it. But like at a certain level, uh, I was think of this as a fan. I was, I'm a fan of the Arizona Cardinals football team and they are almost always bad. And you get late in the year and they end up playing games. that if they win, they're going to hurt. That's an actual thing where, as we saw from the Jets this year, a win will cost you uh, a, an actual big draft pick. But when I'm watching the games and I'm a fan of the team, even though I know intellectually that it will be better if my team loses because it will help them get someone down the line, I only get so many opportunities in this short Span on the planet that we call life to like have a moment to watch my team play. And if they are, if they are, ha- and if you it's hard for me to say, okay, if I'm a fan of the Arizona Cardinals or I'm a fan of the New York Knicks and they only play X number of games a year and I spend some of those X, X number of games rooting for them to lose. Am I actually a fan of the team if I am rooting for this team to actually lose? And so the thing with Thibodeau is like, it's really not that complicated. I'm going to play the guys that give me the best chance to win. Like, it's like, it's not like so much, so much of the, of the Knicks plan for the last 20 years has always been some sort of jujitsu. It's always been, what do we do to get this guy? And how do we get this? And what are we trying to build here? And how can we figure out this? And it's all like quick scheming, you know, uh, um, it's all, uh, it's all uncut gyms, just trying to like find the next (laughs) hit and trying to get like, if I can just get through the next week, if I just make it to the next week, I'm about to get over the top. I'm about to make it. And uh, What I love about Tibbs is he's like, Yeah, I'm not worried about next year. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm like, I my job is to make the players on this team better so we have a chance to win games. That is a clarity of message. Like that is like to me, that's what's what's appealing about Tibbs. It's not so much that like he's so funny on the microphone or he's always doing these funny things, though it was fun to see everybody happy for him on his birthday. But it is like that's what people I think have been wanting from the Knicks is a clear, I think they haven't had it since Walsh before Carmelo is probably the last time they've had. And even that was obviously a little muddled, but this feels like an actual clarity of vision. Now, whether that clarity of vision extends to Rose and extends to everybody up there, we'll see. <laughs> but like right now, I think the appeal of Tibbs is like, we're not trying, like there's nothing complicated about this. We're not, we're not like this is, this isn't a finishing school, you know, this is, yeah. we're trying to win games. And I think that, uh, it's been a long time since the Knicks had that clear, uh, actual goal. And, uh, I think that's what people are responding to it.
0: Yeah, no, you make a point. This is like the first earnest Knicks season I can remember in a while. It's like cynicism free. You're not, you're not rooting them for tanking. You're not like wondering how they eye up for this free agent or if like Kevin Durant finally comes and you got to be as, you know, as pretty as possible for him. Um, it's just like, play and let's hope they win yeah and you're
1: not losing your mind to be like it's like when Carmelo was here it's like all right Carmelo you better get us that title and it just brings all that with it too like this is like it's just you know you get you watch your basketball team play and you root for them to win and if they then you go do it again in a couple days like it's you know, just basic being normal basketball stuff. But to Knicks fans, it feels revolutionary. It feels like a totally incredible thing. And uh to me, that that that's probably why I'm enjoying this seven and eight team uh, and why my son, who is a Bucks fan and is constantly making fun of me for liking the Knicks all the time. But to me, I'm like, yeah, but you just showed up when Giannis got there. And if <laughs> I am like, you're nine. Also, he's nine. What an idiot. Don't, right? don't let nine. him
0: bully you. As, yeah, our, as our first
1: lady said, be better. <laughs> I, so I'm okay. going to be better. I'm going to be better. You, uh, <laughs> You don't really care do you um but uh be honest uh but anyway so uh the point is is that like for me this is the fun this is this is not it's nice to no matter what happens with this year no matter how they go it's nice not to be like okay we just gotta suffer through this year and then we're gonna get there the next year and we're gonna it's nice to like to be like nope they're just trying to win games and that's all there is to it that's that's a very kind of nice place to be
0: what what was it like since we're talking about nice Knicks memories? Uh, what was it like covering the Jeremy Lynn stuff in twenty what was it, twenty twelve
1: 12? twelve I think it's Twenty 12, yeah. twelve, yeah. What was it yeah. like
0: covering Jeremy Lynn in twenty twelve, especially as a Knicks fan who got to see it from the inside?
1: Yeah, because you know, I was just kind of doing an experiment covering the Knicks that year because I was a Knicks fan, and I was I, I wasn't like a beat reporter or anything. Though I generally I spent a lot of time uh, at the practice facility and went to uh, most most of the games. Um, but I was really. So they have was, a
0: dossier on you somewhere in MSG. I oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I will, I will. Uh, if you want to talk about the MSG, uh, uh, my experience <laughs> with MSG, there's all sorts of there from from back in the early back in the old Deadspin days and back in uh, uh, from that time. But uh, yeah, the M- MSG is. I will say this. Uh, there's one. W- one thing that you will know that everything has fallen apart for me uh which is possible it's a wintry economic climate uh but if everything <laughs> has fallen apart i've taken a job with the msg corporation <laughs> and and, uh, and that's not to say that everybody that works there is terrible it's a difficult i i get it but like the example i always use is this is i i was on a show uh for them called the lineup in like 2012 it was a show on the msg channel with uh with uh, uh whitey uh spot sparky lyle gary carter uh back b- b- before he Died. obviously, it wasn't gonna be on the show if he was dead, and um, and it was a show about like old timey baseball stuff. And they oh. and it was, it was fun, it was like all time second baseman, and, and I was like, you know, the guy under 74. <laughs> uh, that was on the show, and so they had this like launch event. I told the story before, but they, they had this like launch event for the show and uh, for MSG, and I was there. And they asked questions afterward, and then I ended up talking to one MSG employee who said, "Hey, would you like to do some like a and A on the site for us?" I wasn't even getting paid for this thing. I was just like, "Sure, I'll do it. I'll do. I'll like this is a. I'm just trying to you know, get television exposure and get better at it. So I'm like, "Sure, I'll do whatever you want." And he's like, "Cool, we'll do this Q and A. Just call me tomorrow. I'll call you tomorrow." I'm like, "Cool." And then so he called the next day, and then like an hour later, someone else at MSG called me and then I got emails from two other people I didn't know saying have you been talking to Tom so this is actually in my department and then like and then Frank would call and be like actually Tom was never supposed to call you at all this is (laughs) supposed to be this I'm like this is the worst run company I've ever because all it is is just people going after their little inch of their fiefdom in their world because this is what happens when you have someone like Dolan in charge it's like there's no actual like person like uh, there's no actual like structure it's all just like people eating each other alive and to me like I it's just like it is a remarkable like I I love the idea the pandemic may be the best time for Tibbs to coach this team imagine how little of that bullshit that Thibodeau would take (laughs) from like an MSG social media person and the five of them all yelling at each other for time with him so anyway the point of that is um uh for me uh um uh I was really fun to cover that because I was, I was covering the Knicks, but I wasn't really covering the Knicks. I was just kind of probably, I worked with soprano, so I actually found like impressively sane considering the, the, how difficult that job is. Uh, uh, but like I would work with the PR people really, but generally speaking, I would go to the games and I would write kind of these long, like you know what it means to be a Knicks fan in this particular moment and it was and it was kind of interesting kind of fun and then Lynn showed up and I was like wow this is like the best story I've ever gotten to cover it was Spike Lee is right it was so loud and it was it was but it was loud not i'm sure i'm sure the actual production of sound uh during the when larry johnson hits the shot or uh, or, or during the ewing days was louder but like it was a sense of discovery i think that's what nicks fans never get right they never get that uh this guy's come out of nowhere and done this amazing thing and he's yeah. ours and like we want we were just talking about like hey maybe uh 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 maybe when Baron Davis is hurt he'll be able to fill in uh, a couple minutes at the end of the game so to have that happen and also to have it be again kind of proof of concept of d'antoni like d'antoni had not really kind of got it figured out a little bit there and there was and and then Lynn shows up and it's glorious and, uh, and the fact that Carmelo was so much of the discussion was about Carmelo at the time, whether he's not, he's going to come was a, was a factor in it too. So to, I think that's, I've always thought that's one of the main reasons that uh, Carmelo, I think still one of the most underappreciated Knicks uh, of all time, but he was under it from the get go because you know, that, that Carmelo made the Knicks better than Jeremy Lynn would have made the Knicks, but Jeremy Lynn, there was something special about that whole experience and that whole stretch that, You know, the the Knicks, I mean, you know, that's that the Knicks never they never get a pistol Pete. You know, they right. never get, they never get like this incredibly out of nowhere, wonderful guy. And people think now that like, people forget, like he was draining like last second jumpers through the one he hit against the, against the Raptors on yeah. the, in his first road game. Like he was, it was incredible. And so, you know, the, uh, and the part of it too, was feeling like, wow, the Knicks never get this. How are they going to screw this up? And of course <laughs> they did. And of course they did. It's funny so- how that
0: was like actually the dawn of the end for D'Antoni in some way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and like yeah. Jeremy Lin too, like he just, it was not feasible because yeah. as you said, everyone has a fiefdom in New York that they have to protect.
1: Exactly. And like, and if, if there, if that happens in, I would say golden state then, cause it's in the pre-stuff era, but it happens in a place like that where like. I'm sorry, but Golden State Warriors fans would have loved that him forever. And there wouldn't have been somebody in the Golden State's management being like, yes, but can we trade three quarters of the <laughs> roster for Carmelo right before he becomes a free agent? <laughs> like that would have been something they would have even considered. And so the, to see how that would have played out, I, I mean, I think it, that was – I think that one of the reasons the Lin thing was so fun is because even while it was happening, no, I don't think there was anyone that felt like, wow, this guy's going to be the point guard for the next 10 years here. <laughs> like that, or, or even for like the next couple of years, not because they didn't think he was good because I think generally he, I think he proved himself uh, not just that year, but in, in years moving forward, injuries were obviously a problem. But uh for me, it was the idea of like, yeah, they're not, they're not going to
0: let this last.
1: <laughs> like they're just, they're just not going to, this is not what we do here. And, yeah, and I, I think that led to part of the joy of it as well.
0: Is it, is it odd being a Knicks fan in Georgia? Are there many of you over there? Have you, do you have, uh, you know, so people you can conflict with
1: right before, uh, the pandemic hit like, a, like, a, like, like three, three weeks. Remember they played that game at Atlanta.
0: Yeah. It was uh, the last game before everything shut down. Yeah.
1: And I was at, I was at that game. It was at, okay. I was at the game. And, no, not, not, the, not the last one, the one before that one, the one oh, that was okay. the night of the Oscars. Deny, uh, the night of the Oscars. And it was a great game. It was a terrific game. Uh, Mitch had an incredible game that ga- that day. And it was funny because, like, you know, I'm at, the, I'm at a Hawks game, you know, I'm in, and uh, I, I didn't have any Knicks fans to go with me, is what I'm saying. But, like, it reminded me a little bit – this is going to be poison for Knicks fans. <laughs> I apologize in advance. But it reminds me when, as a Cardinal fan, I – because Cardinal fans are – you know, there's a lot of Cardinal fans. We travel really well. And every time you're as a Cardinals fan, you go to another stadium. Every Cardinals fan – Every Cardinals fan high fives every other Cardinals fan they see at the stadium. Like everybody's so excited to see them. You saw that the Knicks game to see like they were like I would say I would run into a Knicks fan every you know every if I walked around the stadium I'd run into a Knicks fan every uh, couple of uh, concourses and uh, and every time you'd see him even though this was a bad Knicks team that everyone knew was bad and not not exciting go Knicks man like it's like there is like there is a like instant like Bond to be not just a Knicks fan, but a Knicks fan in the midst of a terrible season to travel to play in a team that's actually not that good and much more exciting than the Knicks. And uh, to be there it was, it was cool. It was, it was a really kind of fun experience. So, uh, but no, I don't, I don't have a group of people that get, when I lived in New York, I had a group of Cardinals fans I would go watch uh, Cardinals games with every couple of weeks. I do not have that group yet in New York, uh, in Athens, though. To be fair, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe they're out there. And I just, they just, I guess it's dr- Georgia again. It's free for all. It's really remarkable to be to me. To I was uh, I, I like I was I was I had to go into Atlanta, which is about an hour and a half from from Athens, and I had to go into uh, to Atlanta to like to uh, pick up some papers or something, and just like got, and I did the way that like everybody picks up anything when they have to go into public, they get it, run in, run out, zip the zip the hell away from everything, and I walked okay. by I walked by like a Hooters, and it was jam. Yeah packed it was an NFL Sunday and it was jam packed as if it was February it was it was 2019 all over again and uh it it is remarkable to me to see how the different states are all kind of handling this pandemic and uh uh and i don't know it's uh, having lived 13 years in uh and uh, i'm in i'm in athens yeah. like athens is like a college town like our hymns from here like we're the little when you when you watched all the runoff counts uh like oh we were the little blue dot surrounded by uh by red dots and even here people, uh, I, people I was really talking to someone need, from uh, the their, dallas their
0: area stuff. last week and we were just talking about uh what we'll do when this thing is over and he's like yeah you know here you know everyone's at bars and restaurants and they're doing whatever and i'm like I don't. I don't think I've gone anywhere but a grocery store and like the the Wawa by me in the last. Like-
1: yeah. <laughs> and listen, I wrote a piece about this for Medium. I do feel like I I I would not eat door. I've not eaten indoors. I would not eat indoors. I wear a mask all the time. But like I've eaten outdoors here. I feel like out eating outdoors is. i uh, to me uh, as someone that lived in New- and lived right off Smith Street uh, in. Uh, and Court Street in Cobble Hill to see the little parklets they put yeah, out there it's it's uh, awesome. in the middle of the street. That's what New York should be all the time: is to uh, to have that outdoor eating. So uh, I, I do feel like there are things that you can do safely, but um, uh, there are what? also <laughs> lots of things that you can do that are not not safely. And down here, everyone, no one's really making a differentiation uh, between the two. Not, yeah, not, I no mean, it's one, wild. I saw there was
0: an advisory in Los to Angeles to wear masks inside your own home around family to lower the spread. And then we've got other parts of the country where people are like just. Doing whatever the hell they want, going into like bars and restaurants, maskless. And I think nothing, uh, nothing has done more to uh, to articulate the differences countrywide than than the reaction to the pandemic. I don't know how that we got to there from talking about the Knicks, but um, I, let's, let's just end it there. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess good. we know where album. you stand on quickly. We know where you stand on Thibodeau. Yes. We know where you stand on Barrett. Uh, a little bit of a mixed bag on Randall, but we'll. we'll figure I,
1: li- it out. I, I like Randall. I like this Randall. I'm not sure I will love 2014 Randall as much. He was back in the SC. 2024. Sorry. 2020. Oh, I was going to say 2024. Yeah. I love uh, 2000. Yeah, 2024 Randall. I'm not sure about that one, but I love 2021 Randall.
0: <laughs> um, well, uh, I, I thank you for taking the time. I mean, the next time, I know you got a post office that you got to hit. Um, hopefully the next time you come on, I'll ask you for a scouting report on the Knicks after they get IO Dasunmu. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. You're, yeah, you're Illinois brethren. I I'm a, you know, Rutgers alum. So I, I pay attention. I know what's going on. Yeah. Ron Harper jr.
1: Um, baby. I love that guy.
0: Yeah. He's, he was really good. I thought he had, you know, I think he'll be an NBA player. Um, it hasn't been the same since his ankle injury. Rutgers has kind of fallen off a cliff a I little know. bit.
1: I have to say though, they bet like the, I, as someone I'm a big, big 10 basketball fan. I, I kind of grew up with big 10 basketball. Uh, that Rutgers team when he's on is very like, I don't like liking big 10 basketball teams that aren't Illinois. And I find that Rutgers team very likable. Uh, and uh, yeah, so him, they,
0: Jacob Young, Miles yeah. Johnson, that whole team is fun. They, they need to
1: make the tournament because I, because this is the thing, right? Because Illinois Rutgers, of course, is how long has it been since Rutgers made the tournament? In, like 1990.
0: Uh, 1990- ninety one. So this will be right. thirty years.
1: And and whew. And uh, Illinois has not made it since 2013, which is not, you know, not as long, but like for Please, a school, like nothing. but for a school like Illinois, which is, you know, generally a, a, a if not a powerhouse, definitely a top shelf, uh, a top shelf team. Uh, that's yeah. a really long time. And so th- both Illinois records would have definitely made it last year. So they better make it that uh, they, uh, assuming we do make the, have a tournament this year, which I think we will. Um, they, uh, they better both make it. I don't, I don't want the, I always feel like poor taking it full circle on OB Toppin uh, that, Dayton team last year. Dayton gets a team like that once every fifty years. Once yeah. every fifty years, and uh, unfortunately, it happened last year.
0: I mean, listen, in the most like Rutgers thing possible, they I, they were going to make the tournament last year, uh, and now I have I have a text chain with with friends who are Rutgers fans, and they're like. Did last year's appearance count? And I wrote, wrote about this too. It was like, does it count? Do you hang a banner when you would have made the tournament but there was no tournament and you hadn't made it in 29 years? And now there's maybe they don't make it this year.
1: This was an argument they had last year that they said the committee should have went ahead and released the bracket anyway. I thought just, they should have. Yeah, just so you could go ahead and say, I agree, I agree, but... Uh, but Like, for feels- Duke,
0: it doesn't matter, but yeah. for, like, Rutgers, for Illinois, like, it matters. It still feels like
1: we're getting into a little bit of, like, fanfic, you know, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> particularly in the, when like, you know, everyone was just making sure no one was dying. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I mean, but, issues, like, but, but, yes. But mid-March through mid-July was sports fanfic. Oh, yeah. Like, but- everyone is just <laughs> writing their own, like, narratives, their own stories, because there's no actual sports. Oh,
1: I watched so many, like, like like Stratomatic uh, uh, fake <laughs> tournaments and all-time teams. And, well, Babe Ruth batting in front of Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter. Yeah, like I got a,
0: into what if sports there yeah, for a minute, yeah, like yeah, a team yeah. I was running. Uh, everyone had, you know, like that was kind of like what everyone did to get through the dark times.
1: I watched, I, I think I, I I got to, I was like watching Wasps race in my backyard. <laughs> they may have just been mating, actually. now okay. I'm thinking about it, but uh, whatever competition I could find. If you I, bet
0: on it, it's sports. It's, so that's exactly, funny. exactly. All right um well did you, as you said uh, how lucky your book comes out May 11th do you want to uh, plug it a little bit Yeah it's a, it's,
1: it's a novel it's a novel it actually has uh, it's it's not it's actually not about sports at all uh, but it's it takes place in uh, here in Athens Georgia it's a mystery um, uh, and, uh, people didn't like, I got a very nice, uh, the guy that, uh, that if you're watching uh, the flight attendant on HBO, everyone's watching that the guy that wrote the book of that, uh, has, uh, uh say, he said, is he's been one of our big backers on it. He gave it he okay. a nice plug the other day. So I'm very excited. Uh, it's nice to do something that has nothing to do with sports, but it's a good
0: fun read. And I hope people enjoy it whenever. Yeah. And know. for all the Knicks fans who didn't know that will was one of you. Now, you know, and you should go and, and buy the book and help William F. Leach, su- William F. Leach I have a weekly
1: newsletter that's free. I'm not one of okay. those, I'm not one of those sub-sex people that's charging you, uh, totally free. Uh, and, uh, it has like original essays and stuff that people might enjoy and, and some next st- stuff on there as well.
0: Yeah. And he's a columnist at MLB. Uh, you can read him in New York mag medium. Uh, well, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. This is, this is wonderful. Uh, I love your work. And so this is, this is an honor for me.
1: Oh, thank you. I, listen, I read, uh, I, w- one of the things that, uh, I love about being a fan of a team is when you have. Uh, a really good reporter that covers them because uh, I uh, like I, I like your work but like not only that I read every single word that you write <laughs> that's not
0: haunting at all that that really makes me now I'm gonna wonder every time I write something what we'll think because that's this. the
1: thing because again like like I, I mean a you're it's the Knicks so I'm obviously gonna read but I don't read every Knicks uh, beat reporter but if you get a good Knicks writer Like for me, I like I have of this baseball with Derek Gould, who covers the St. Louis
0: Cardinals. Very good. Yeah,
1: very, very good. Like when you have a really good reporter covering your favorite team, like it is like you read them like the Dead Sea Scrolls. (laughs) Like You just read you read them like every word matters uh, uh, in in, in the world. So uh, so thanks for the great work you're doing. I really appreciate it.
0: No, thank you. And everyone, thank you for listening uh, to another episode of the Long Twos Podcast. I'm Mike Vorknoff. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.